Meditation. 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 Depending on the quality of my mind. You know, there's good days and bad days. I mean, I feel like the waterfall of thoughts. Every now and then, a nice... I can't think of anything. This is Meditation in the City. The Shambhala New York Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Meditation in the City podcast. My name is Francesca and I'm your host. The title of this episode is Mindfulness of Spaces. Our inner and outer environments are connected. Buddhism teaches that we are interconnected and interdependent. This includes the spaces and environments that we live in and engage with every day. Many of us spent more time at home in the past year than what we are accustomed to. What did that feel like? Did you cultivate a new relationship with your spaces? How can we begin to connect to our world and see the beauty in each moment? Let's investigate how mindfulness meditation can include awareness of spaces around us. Today we are joined by Angie Cho. Angie Cho is a feng shui and meditation teacher based in New York City. She's guided thousands of people to harmonize their living spaces through the ancient practice of feng shui. Angie is the feng shui expert at The Spruce and has been featured in dozens of publications, including The New York Times, Mind Body Green, and BuzzFeed. Angie is co-founder of the Mindful Design Feng Shui School, co-host of the Holistic Spaces podcast, and teaches meditation weekly on Rama TV Live. Here is Angie to take away the discussion. I found that, you know, this year, a lot of people spent a lot more time inside than they're used to, um, as we all know. And most people spent a lot more time at their, in their home. Or some people traveled to other or stayed in a different home, but the majority of people spent a lot of time inside their spaces. So I thought it was a good opportunity to talk about this, especially now that we're inviting in a new year. And I thought it would also be fun to, and and interesting and engaging to talk about how we can begin to connect with our world, with our homes, to really start to see the beauty in each moment which includes our spaces. So tonight I wanted to investigate with all of you a little bit on how meditation and the philosophy of meditation and this practice that we're all here for can include the spaces around us. And so we practice that a little bit with this rotation exercise. And um, at the after my talk, I'm gonna invite all of you to share any experiences or anything you wanted to share from from that awareness practice that we did, the rotation exercise. So I think that a lot of us come to meditation and we start to, you know, we want to practice meditation to become more mindful and more aware. And it does include our spaces. So I... um, I think that spaces are really important. And we actually talk about space a lot in Shambhala, but it's not necessarily looked at as physical space, but whether it's physical or energetic or um, phenomenal, it's all all connected. 
it's all the same space. And when we do our sitting practice, we slow down and we start to notice the details of our life and we start to be present. And I think this is also really key in looking at our spaces, like how can we also become more mindful of our spaces? How can we notice the details of our spaces in our, in our life? There's even um, a quote that I have from Chogum Trungpa. It's from Shambhala, The Sacred Path of the Warrior. And he writes, this is um, in the chapter called Nowness. He talks about how the way to, well, I'll just read it. The way to experience nowness is to realize that this very moment, this very point in your life is always the occasion. So the consideration of where you are and what you are on the spot is very important. That is one reason that your family situation, your domestic everyday life is so important. You should regard your home as sacred, as a golden opportunity to experience nowness. Appreciating sacredness begins very simply by taking an interest in all the details of your life. So we'll talk about that tonight. What are some ways that you can begin to take an interest in the details of your life and how does that connect with um, your home and your spaces? So I, studied architecture because you know um i think growing up in an in a traditional asian family my parents really wanted to me to become a doctor or a lawyer they didn't want me to become an artist <laughs> so i so i guess artist equated into architect <laughs> so, so somehow i ended up studying architecture but then i really um really enjoyed learning about architecture, but what was the most important thing to me was not how spaces looked or how cool you can make a design a building, but I was really interested in how people were affected by their spaces. Because we spend um, our entire lives surrounded, you know, in space, in homes, in buildings, and our spaces really shape our lives. And we're not really aware of that, but it, it's true. And I think maybe maybe people started to see more of that this uh, in 2020. And so I I was trying to I tried to come up with a little uh, outline to make it easy for you. So the three things I wanted to talk about tonight with mindfulness of spaces is one to talk about how everything is interconnected and interdependent and explore that a little bit with you. The importance of paying attention to the details in our environments and simplifying. So everything is interconnected and interdependent. And we learn this in Buddhism. And we start to unpack this when we 
sit in meditation practice. We connect with our breath, right? But we are also just as connected to our home. Our homes, the spaces around us, the objects around us, the clothing we wear, everything is alive. If I want to get a little out there, I mean, there's, we say that in feng shui, we say there's a deity of your home. There's a deity of your bed, your desk, all of, all of these things that we somehow think aren't alive. They are alive. They're made of the same material that you're made out of. And Similarly, we're interconnected and interdependent with all other sentient beings, with all the people in this world. And I think we've seen this also during the pandemic that we're working with this something on a global level where we're all feeling it. And when we can see that we're really interconnected and interdependent and everything is alive, even our home, we can offer gratitude to our home we could be thankful to our bed. Our home will treat us how we treat it. If we start to recognize it, if we appreciate it, our homes will, our spaces will support us more. And then we can also start to cultivate more compassion, just like having compassion for other people, the animals around us, the trees around us, the air around us, the, the floor you're touching, the floor that's holding you up, that's like the earth element. She's always there to support us. You always know that you can step on the earth. So when we also see that we are interconnected and interdependent, we can also see that the very small shifts, subtle shifts that we can make in our environment, in our spaces and in our lives and in our perceptions and our relationships with people, spaces, things, all of those shifts can um, create a big impact or a small impact. And I was on, um, I don't, uh, there was a snow lion retreat through Shambhala last week and I attended that and I was um, speaking to a couple people. And one thing I love about Shambhala is that I think um, I'm always challenged to be more thoughtful, be more present, especially with how I speak. And Right off the bat, I think I, I said something to them, like I typed something to them in the Zoom chat, like, oh, too bad we're not together because I, or too bad we're not doing this in person because I go to this retreat um, annually in person. And then I um, stopped and I thought about that. And I realized, wow, like, I really, I could, I could say that differently. I could take a different approach on that. And instead of comparing my situation to uh, this is, you know, the situation we are in now to what it was last year, 
instead of doing that, maybe I can look at this as an opportunity. So like being on this Zoom retreat really, I think, and also 2020 gave an opportunity to practice. And even the Zoom retreat I went to was a, an opportunity to practice in a new environment in, uh, in my home, which was great because I work with people in their homes. So it gave me a lot more insight, but I think a lot of other people received benefit from it. And then I started to extend that to other experiences I had. And so how can I start to re-examine and instead of just kind of saying something that I would normally say, stopping and thinking about it and look at how things can be an opportunity. So all this time we spent in our homes or inside can be an opportunity. And it could be an opportunity to look at how much have you connected to your home? Like, are there places in your home that you've neglected? So I teach and practice feng shui. And the, um, the lineage that I teach in is similar, it has a lot of similarities to the Shambhala lineage. And so there's a lot of connection to um, Tibetan Buddhism. And so, and anyway, um, in feng shui, we talk about how when you start to neglect areas of your home, that can give you some insight. Because your home is not separate from you. Even, you know, I even teach my students how your home can be a representation of your body. And on a very basic level, like if you have an altar or a shrine, has it been collecting dust? If you have a whole room that you haven't gone into, or maybe there's, you have some scary shelf in your refrigerator or pantry that you just won't go near, or maybe it's just like a closet that you, you just, there's area, it's different for everyone. And for some people, it might be the opposite. It might be that they're so obsessed with getting rid of everything. So you can start to see how, you know, like your bedroom is connected to you. What does that mean? Do you, are you sleeping on a bed that hurts your back every night that's falling apart? Or are, is there expired food in your refrigerator? What does that say about your health? What it ha and that affects your health because these are connected. They're not separate. And if you've been neglecting your shrine, maybe you haven't been practicing. We get a lot of signs from the phenomenal world like dust and things that fall in disrepair. And those things are some, somewhat more easier, easy to spot. So that leads me to the second point, which is paying attention to the details of our environment. So again, how much have you connected to your home? We can, like in meditation, we talk a lot about obstacles, obstacles in our path. But if you take that 
phrase literally like we actually literally have obstacles in the paths of our in our home too and and then we talk about in in uh, meditation we talk about habitual patterns like starting to recognize our habitual patterns through our meditation practice but those habitual patterns manifest in our home for instance with obstacles in our path and we become very conditioned to them um like for instance I have a student that I, he lives in a New York City apartment, like a railroad apartment. So if you don't know what that is, it's very long and it's, there's like one long hallway, usually that there's like a bedroom on one end, a living room on the other end, and then like bathroom and kitchen in the middle and like sometimes another room. And there's, so there's this long hallway, right? And right in the middle of the long hallway, he had a bike and you know, bike doesn't, it, bike actually takes a lot of room, like the handlebars. And it was right in the middle and he actually never used this bike yet he would every day during the pandemic walk around this bike that he thought he he got it so maybe he would bike around the east east village where he lives but he never biked around and then so you make these like huge accommodations for these obstacles that you place in your life and you become so conditioned to them. So when we start to pay attention to those details in our environment, and sometimes it takes another person to show us what they are, but even just slowing down and doing something like the, an awareness exercise that we just did can begin to allow us to see things as they are. That's a big Shambhala teaching to see things as they are without our stories like, oh, I'm gonna use that bike. I got it because I'm gonna bike everywhere. But instead it might, it becomes an obstacle. You might trip over it. You have to accommodate it in your daily path every day. And maybe on a subconscious level, it adds stress and overwhelm because you have a, a subtle level of guilt about seeing that bike that you meant to do all, you had all these aspirations for and it never happened. So it's really important to begin to see things as they are in whatever way they manifest, whether it's in our homes or in our relationships or with our own um, self-talk because we can really get wrapped up in our storylines about them. And it's also really easy to fall into the trap of thinking I need to fix everything. And it's really easy to make your home or yourself a project. Like, okay, so now I gotta make a list of like a, so many things that I wanna fix in my home. And so I want you to approach that with gentleness and trust that you're okay you don't need to be fixed you could just work at you know do like one thing at a time and the the number one thing is to notice remember notice and just notice have awareness to begin to see things as they are and that's 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 the big work and i feel like when like either when you create this list of projects that you want to fix about yourself or fix about fix with your home because our homes often are so tied up with like 
our aspirations, like we want to own our home or we want to have a bigger apartment or we want to have that nice dining room table made out of marble or have a new kitchen or whatever it is, or that person has a nicer kitchen than me. And you just have to work, you know, start, start, just start with noticing what, like what areas you neglect and, and just start to see, just start to see your space and get to know your space. And, and remember your space is alive. You can talk to your space. You don't have to talk to your space in English. You could just talk with feeling, whatever works. But the reminder is just to notice that when you start to pay attention to the details of your life, you can start to see those patterns and see those obstacles. And maybe you see the pattern that you buy an awful lot of food that you don't, that you keep in your refrigerator and then you ignore and then you don't eat or so, I don't know, whatever it is for you. And just notice them and then be gentle with yourself. And then the third point I wanted to talk about is sim to simplify. So we, we are all here as meditators, I think most of us, or, um, or newbies, whatever it is, but I think most people come to mindfulness meditation, because it's an antidote to the speedy, aggressive, um, modern life that we live. And somehow we know that this is possibly helpful. And so when we start to simplify our, our, um, our lives through meditation practice, it can help to slow things down. Well, actually, so when we start to practice meditation, we can also in tandem work with some like simplifying our lives through meditation, but also in tandem work with um, simplifying our, our spaces as well. And I'm not talking about doing a Marie Kondo like declutter, just you don't have to go extreme about it, but just start to notice that there could be some aggression and clutter, whether it's mental clutter or physical clutter or whatever it is, just start to notice that and simplification or simplifying your life allows you to really start to see and appreciate and be present. I study tea ceremony. I'm new. It's a good practice for me because I'm a really bad tea ceremony student. So it gives me compassion for my students and I realize, okay, I can be nicer to my students because my tea ceremony teachers are really pretty strict and um, one thing that my tea ceremony teacher said recently which was I thought amazing and amaz amazing teaching is that so we, we go and we practice making tea and we practice the same ceremony over and over and over again just like we practice our meditation over and over and over again and it gets boring like you probably got really bored in that awareness exercise, right? A whole two minutes staring in one direction. But in tea ceremony, we make the same cup of tea over and over again. But the room, the tea room is so simple. You can't even wear jewelry, no jewelry. One time I almost lost my wedding ring 
because I had to take it off and then I couldn't find it afterwards. But you take everything off. You don't wear jewelry. You don't wear any perfume. You just come into the space on your own. And you are there to make the best cup of tea you can for your guest. And so we make the same cup of tea every time, but it's never the same. And when you're in the tea room, she was talking about like the sounds are really important. She's like, did you know, my teacher said, did you know that the sound of the water hitting the tea bowl when it's cold is slightly different than when it's hot? And just little things like that. And I was like, wow. And I don't know why. I'm just like, I crumbled. I'm like, oh, that is such an amazing thing she just said. But it's so simple. And, and then it also makes me think about like when I was a teenager. And I, I guess we have age, all ages here. So remember getting like your first record or your first tape or your first CD. And I remember I'd go home, lay on my bed open it up you look at like all the notes listen to the tape like because I'm, I'm the tape generation so I'd listen to the tape like hundreds of times reading along to each lyric memorizing the whole thing but there was so much joy in that from that I just needed one tape but now we have these modern lives where we have so much so much information so now we can have any song we want anytime we want and I probably don't listen to any of them and I can't <laughs> and I can't decide what I want to listen to and I don't think I would ever ever bother to open a package and read all the ly lyrics I mean I'm too old now I can't even read that small type anymore but um so this is just an example of how we can begin to simplify and bring more ease less overwhelm less speediness So my three things to be more mindful of your spaces, remember, or, or actually, sorry, not remember, be curious about how everything is interconnected and interdependent, how your home is also alive. You could even say thank you to your home, have gratitude for your home. Give her, her give her, it, him, they a name. And then paying attention to all the details of your environment. Actually, not all. Sorry, I keep correcting myself. Paying attention to details in your environment. So just stop, slow down, notice. And then simplify. So that you be can begin to appreciate what you have. So you can appreciate the precious things that you have in your life. Thank you. So um, I'm happy to take any questions, but I'd also love to hear if anyone wants to share their thoughts or maybe if they wanted to share their experience of the rotation exercise, which I'd, I'd love to hear how that went. So um, let's see, Dan, should I moderate? I think I'm, should I moderate this or how do we do this part? We didn't talk about that. Everybody can unmute themselves as they wish. 
we can turn it back to, uh, how about if I take spotlight off of you? Mm -hmm. And we can uh, click on gallery view so you can see everybody. And just unmute yourself and speak up when you want to say something. Hi. Um, I put a question in the chat and I was just wondering what feng shui lineage you teach from. You mentioned that in your um, Dharma talk. Sure. Hi, River. Thanks for coming. I, yeah, thank you. I teach BTB feng shui. Cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi. Okay, since uh, no one spoke up yet, I will. So the exercise, the awareness exercise was eye-opening, even though I had my eyes half closed. <laughs> but I definitely saw the clutter in every direction, so bad in one direction where the TV is that I had to close my eyes. <laughs> Because I couldn't, the, the TV was there, the clock was there. It was like, okay, this is too much. And so my experience has been that um, due to COVID, I, I moved my entire office, which I loved, into my home. And um, I'm sure a lot of us have had to do that. And I am besieged with clutter. Um, one, because I'm home all the time as well. And so when I was working, I, I, I could justify in my head that I need to have a housekeeper come, you know, once a month at least, but now I'm home. So why should I bring someone else in to clean up the clutter? And so it's just, you know, I just feel overwhelmed. And when you said how your, your home on spaces, your space, also a symbolic of your body. Well, you know, that's all the COVID-15, the poundage that, you know, so I'm sort of going through this, redo my diet and, you know, clean up my diet act, which is, you know, cleaning up my body. And now this space and which is what interested me in coming here uh, tonight is to really like I'm sitting, I, I've been watching this space, but I've done nothing but watch it. So, so now I'm thinking, okay, I don't have to do it a total declutter overhaul that my mind was thinking I needed to do that. Now, maybe I will just, you know, get rid of some things that, like I have a Pilates machine in one room that I haven't used probably uh, 15 years. I could get rid of that. <laughs> you know, there's like the bike, you know, I could get rid of that. And so Anyway, I, I have, I found this very helpful. Yeah, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And you could also think about how all those thoughts that arose about your home and the list that you created, how that kind of maybe, how that, how that compares to your meditation practice and, and other parts of your life too, but definitely be gentle with yourself. Very good. Hi, Angie. This is Azad. Um, Hi. I, thank you so much for your talk. Um, 
there's something you said during your talk that I mean, it just landed um, with, a, with a lot of weight inside of me. Um, and it just totally made sense. You said, um, referring to that client you had in their bicycle, you said, we, um, we make huge accommodations for these obstacles we put in our lives. Um, and I've seen myself do that over and over again. I mean, I guess like we can do that physically, like with something in our space. We can also do that interpersonally with like people. We can do it with, with thoughts and emotions. Um, but I mean, you said it very concisely, but there's so much there. Um, and I think like, a, like you said, a good place to start with like unpacking that kind of thing is to make sure we're not doing that in the physical space of our homes. Thank you. And I, I commend you for even noticing. That's the first step to notice. Do you have a Pilates bike like Shirley? Uh, no, we're currently borrowing a Peloton from <laughs> who left town. So yeah, but, but I'm like trying to use it almost every day, trying to. I, I would also try to make an accommodation for a Peloton too. <laughs> I hear they're good. <laughs> I did a talk for Peloton actually over the pandemic. Oh, wow. They, they did a wellness talk on feng shui, like how to work from home. I wanted to comment on the awareness exercise too. And also I thought this talk was wonderful. So thank you. Thank you. Um, I was finding different meaning in things when I was turning around um, each angle. So like uh, the mantle behind me still has some holiday decorations up and I kind of just never really took the time to notice that, but my mom set it up really beautifully. And so it, it just gave me a two full minutes to appreciate that part that I've never really done and, and how much work, work she put into it. And then also um, another corner had pictures of my family and so that was it's just something I, ne I never really look at or think about and then I was like oh like that brings me joy so it was nice to appreciate the things that I have thank you I'm I'm glad I, someone has something besides clutter and peloton bikes and <laughs> yeah. uh, no but it's it's a mix of uh it's it's also just hidden. yeah and the practice is also to be aware of what arises. Like sometimes it'll be gratitude. Sometimes it'll be boredom. Sometimes it will be judgment. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Hi, I'm Rachel. Um, thank you for this talk. Um, I, when I was doing the awareness exercise, it kind of made me sad because I noticed how blank my walls are still. I've lived here since August. Um, so I'm thinking I need to put my pictures and things up. Um, I was wondering, because it's been a really stressful time for me, um, and there's so many things that I would like to change in my apartment, in my, in my space. Is there a good place to start? to sort of build off of um, if I were to try to declutter that sort of thing? Well, it doesn't have to be decluttering. 
but um, I would you um, see what comes up for you. Like, what is like one thing that you would really love and go with your first thought, best thought of what would really, what is something that you would want to do for yourself? And it doesn't have to be in your home, but whatever it is to support you. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think probably the thing that I noticed, which is that I have some pictures that I just haven't put up and maybe having pictures of family kind of what like what Francesca was saying would make me feel more appreciative of my home. So that might be a place to start. That's a great place to start. And well, actually, like um, my boilerplate feng shui answer would be start with your bedroom, too. <laughs> Because start with what represents you, what's closest to you, the most private area. Okay. I mean, so do the do the pictures, and then also next you can do the bedroom. Thank you. Hey, my name's Cher One. Um, I. I think it's interesting that you just suggested starting with the place that is most private to you because I was just reflecting kind of on the concept of where there is neglect um, in your home and where it's a signifier of things that for me personally that I feel like maybe I avoid or maybe I'm afraid of starting to try to, to work on, but I'm incredibly, uh, diligent and careful about shared spaces and about spaces that I know other people will notice or see or that Azad will be in. Um, but my private spaces where I keep my own clothes or things like that are a complete disaster. <laughs> so I think the recommendation to start in the private like spaces that we keep is something that resonates for me. Yes, thank you for sharing that. I, I, I see that happen a lot. A lot of like clients will spend a lot of time on the areas that are more public and neglect their own bedroom and really put that on the back burner. And so just noticing that and also um, maybe treating yourself to something which is a, gentle kind thing to do for yourself to start off the new year peace this is river again um this is such a cool talk. I think um, thinking about the energy of spaces has been something on my mind as well, um, especially during this whole pandemic. I'm um, wondering if you have any recommendations for books or like resources on where to kind of start incorporating more feng shui into one's life. Um, that's a great question, River. I have well, I have a podcast, the Holistic Spaces podcast, where a lot of people 
I've been doing it for a long time. I didn't know if anyone listened, but now, now, like six years, five years later, people are telling me they, they like it. And I listen, it's pretty good. So you can check the podcast out. Um, and I have a blog and I teach a lot of feng shui courses and I'm on Instagram talking about feng shui all the time. Cool. And then I have a book too called Holistic Spaces, 108 Ways to Create a Mindful, Peaceful Home. It's like, I guess Amazon is probably the best place to get it. But, um, but also um, my teachers, Stephen Post, uh, actually he's the only one with the book. So my teacher, Stephen Post has a great book called The Modern Book of Feng Shui. And since I study BTD Feng Shui and that's what I practice and teach, I would recommend any books by Sarah Rosbach, who teaches, um, who is a, a senior student of, uh, in BTD. Thank you, that's awesome. A lot of good choices you've provided us with. You're welcome. Okay, maybe maybe we're ready to close. Let Dan let Dan go to sleep. Um, yes. Uh, so, when it comes to like feng shui and and the home, like how do you consider mm -hmm. uh, animals, pets, um, and like the feng shui of your space, or does it impact animals? Um, I know feng shui obviously impacts humans and how we occupy the space, but can you speak to animals in terms of like enjoying them? Um, let's see. So I have a colleague from that I studied with that spe specializes with feng shui for pets, but I haven't really explored it so much. Although I do have two dogs and I think on some level, some of the principles apply to um, probably most mammals because a lot of one aspect of the way you can look at feng shui is how we as humans are like animals and we often um the way that we see our spaces and and um how we respond to spaces is dependent on our uh our fight or flight or you know our old mind our reptilian brain so there are some principles that look at like how to position yourself in a space based on your relationship to the energy coming into the room. And so it's like very, like it, it, it would apply to like pets because, you know, they, they also want to 
be able to see the door and like, you know, dogs bark when people come to the door because they're protective. Uh, so that is similar, but animals also process things differently. Like they can shake off um, energy where we as humans hold on to energy a lot more, right? Um, so I think there are ways, but it would, it's not something I've really gone in depth with, but, um, but I do think that animals bring good energy to a home and they uh, cultivate a lot of compassion and joy, especially, I mean, that's what I've experienced with my dogs that I love. And um, there are like other things like, there are other like things like, a, uh, I'm just, it's a long story, so I'm not gonna get into it. But, um, and then also there's of course, like uh, animal imagery that you can like symbolism of animals that you could bring into your home to, to inspire or to invite in energies with intention. Okay, any last questions? Poor Dan has been up for since 2 a.m. Eastern time. <laughs> and I told him that's when I went to bed last night. <laughs> so um, thank you so much for coming and um, and actually, Shirley, I was watching you. You were laughing. I, you laughed at all my jokes, so I like you. <laughs> but it, it's nice to see um, everyone. And um, yeah, nice to see everyone and some faces. I, I, see, I see John a lot, but I don't see Christy a lot. So, and I don't see Les a lot. So good to see some of you. And hi, Mark. Okay, Dan, any final housekeeping? No, we're good. Okay, whoa, but you guys can definitely follow me at Auntie Cho on Instagram or check out my website, auntiecho.com or holisticspaces.com.